Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert. They're off and running again. So smooth. So sweet. Splendid. Succinct. Just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort or 1,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello, and welcome to Wondergoal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff, and joining me, as always, are my action colleagues, BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. And today, the three of us will take you on a handicapping adventure across all of Europe. We'll mostly be focused on the Premier League, but don't worry, we will touch on some Bundesliga, some League 1, Serie A. But we will start in La Liga with the match of the weekend, the Madrid Derby, Real Madrid plus 110 at home at the Bernabeu, taking on Atletico Madrid, who are plus 255 on the road. The draw is sitting at plus 250. This is a 3 p.m. kickoff on Sunday afternoon. And gentlemen, it has to be said, this Atletico team under Diego Simeone, everybody loves to hate them, but I think we just need to start respecting them as betters. And there are so many teams in European soccer. We can approach most of them the same way, but Atletico is just different. I think we should start to appreciate that as betters. This is a team who are masters in shithousery. We saw what they did in the Champions League to advance. Players were in tears. Everyone's head was in their hands all game. People were flopping. Other people were fighting. It was truly like an opera of shithousery. And that stuff can work sometimes if you have the talent to back it up, which Atletico do. Meanwhile, Real Madrid, they have a 10-point lead on Atleti in La Liga. So if Diego Simeone's crew wants a chance to even be relevant in the title race in La Liga, they need to win this one. I do think there's value on uh, Atletico here. 255 seems like a good enough number. They're a team that I want to kind of get behind now. I'm, I'm just giving up on the numbers with them, and I'm just backing them for who they are, for who Diego Simeone is as a manager. So now let me bring in my two friends, but we'll start with you, BJ. Is it Atletico? Is it Real Madrid? Is it maybe the draw over under? Where are you going uh, for the Madrid Derby? Yeah, Real Madrid is becoming almost like an auto fade, given how much they're overperforming. And I think this is a great spot for Atletico to pick them off and at least get a draw. You talk about, you know, Atletico, you know, maybe we need to start respecting them more. Their numbers in La Liga are actually pretty good. Only 0.81 expected goals allowed per match. They have a plus 0.63 non-penalty expected goal differential, which is actually the best mark in Spain right now. They're also first defensively in shots allowed per 90. Big scoring chances allowed, box entries allowed. So it's still a really, really good Diego Simeone defense. Now, you know, in the Champions League, they had to, they were down two center backs. They had to play Versalco and Cambia, you know, alongside each other. So if they have to do it in this match again, that's a little troublesome, giving me some worries. But we don't know the status of Kareem Benzema right now. He could be coming back uh, for Real Madrid. But if he's out, that's going to be a big problem for Real Madrid. I really, with this type of matchup, I like to look at teams that play similar styles to Atletico Madrid. And Bilbao is almost like a carbon copy of what Atletico tries to do. They play the exact same formation, very defensive, looking to hit people on the counter. And Bilbao just played Real Madrid, you know, about a week and a half ago and put up 2.8 expected goals against them. We've talked about the Real Madrid defense. It's really, really bad right now, especially giving up big scoring chances. They've allowed the fifth most in La Liga, while... Atletico Madrid has created uh, the third most big scoring chances. So 
This is a good spot for Atletico to pick off Real Madrid. Uh, I will be monitoring if Kareem Benzema is in there and Atletico's down two center backs. It might be a pass for me, especially if it's a juicy plus half a goal. But at the time of saving this, if Kareem Benzema is out, I do like Atletico plus half a goal at minus 135. Yeah, it just doesn't matter who's in or who's out for Atletico Madrid. Diego Simeone will get them to play a bandit style of, of soccer. And and so and it just works. It seems to get under the skin of their opposition, no matter who's down, what they're you know, the stakes are for them or, or the mountain that they need to climb. They were definitely underdogs to advance out of the group today with Milan playing what was supposed to be a depleted Liverpool team. And they don't get the job done. Atletico does against Porto in a game that they were, it was basically a pick them on the road. So like, I'm just tipping my cap here. And like you said, we, as a podcast, I think like to go against Real Madrid because they are overperformers relative to their underlying metrics. And that's why I'm going to stick with Simeone here. Um, Anthony, you're, I mean, BJ, I think bet on Atletico Madrid more often than you do. I think it's fair to say you like to call it, you know, Simeone luck box, whatever it is. Where are you going with this one? And why aren't you ever able to get behind this Atleti team? Yeah, you know, uh, stick the knife in further, turn it, uh, plus 290 to advance on Porto from before the group stage. Up in flames, could not even get a draw at home. Embarrassing from Le Dragos. Uh, but that being said, you know, when we go back to last year, La Liga, uh, Atletico Madrid won the league with a plus 0.52 expected goal difference. So far this year, they have a plus 0.62 per 90 goal difference. Uh, So think about that. They're actually playing at a higher level in terms of creating chances and allowing chances. And yet, you know, they're 10 points off Real Madrid. That's how much Real Madrid is vastly overperforming their expected goals. I haven't decided if I want to get in on here on Atleti because I hate betting them because I do not like uh, Diego Simeone and I, I tend to you know look to bet against them quite a bit when they're overvalued as a favorite in La Liga, uh, and I, I I'm not sure like BJ mentioned with the status of Karim Benzema, both teams have some attacking regression coming. You know it's not just Real that's overperforming, but Atleti's scored 27 goals from 21 expected as well. Their defense is actually leaking more goals than usual. They haven't been the traditional overperform their expected goals allowed team that they've done for the last five six years. Uh, so right now it's a pass for me. Both teams to score was another look I had. It's a little bit too steep for me to play at minus 130. So I think it's probably going to end up being a stay away with the lean towards Atletico Madrid. With that, we'll move on to the Premier League. We have a Friday afternoon kickoff. Great news for all of us here. Friday night lights, 3 p.m. Eastern time, Brentford plus 115 hosting Watford at plus 260. The draw is plus 235. I'm pretty sure the last time Brentford hosted the Friday night Premier League game was opening day when they pulled one over on Arsenal, which we all backed. So good memories there. I want to get behind Watford here, actually, just because Brentford is dealing with a little bit of an injury crisis. Again, Ivan Tony, uh, Sergei Kanos are both out. It looks like they've not been 100% for quite some time. However, this defense has been it's been good. It's trending down a little bit, but it's been good enough. And against a team like Watford, who have been pretty good going forward, I don't think it's going to be too much of a problem. Uh, so it's right now it's Watford or nothing. If this number ticks up, I think I would play Watford. BJ, what do you have for this one? I actually do like Brentford. I understand that Ivan Tony's out, but he hasn't really provided much in terms of goal scoring this season. He only has four goals uh, in about, you know, I think about 14 appearances. His non-penalty expected goal per 90 minute scoring rate is only 0.14, which is in the bottom 5% of the Premier League. So he's not providing much in terms of goal scoring. What he does provide is he's very good in the air. He's really good at assisting his teammates. He's got 16 passes that have led to a shot this season. So Mbwemu and uh, Wissa will probably be the two men up top. Wissa has been pretty good in limited action for Bradford. So I don't think the goal scoring is going to take a 
huge dip without Tony in there. I mean, it didn't take a dip against uh, Leeds this past weekend when he was out. I understand that Watford has played the most difficult schedule in the Premier League the last two months, but they're still dead last in non-penalty expected goals allowed. And the biggest thing in this one is that Watford is horrendous against pressure. And Brentford loves to play a heavy metal style football, pressing quite a bit. They're seventh in passes per defensive action. So Watford is going to have some trouble trying to move the ball forward. Brentford doesn't allow you to get off very many shots, only 12.1 shots per 90 allow, which is the fifth best mark in the Premier League. The biggest thing though, is that even though Brentford has their injury crisis, Watford is kind of dealing with one themselves. Ishmael Asar is going to be out for this one. He's pretty much their best attacking player. Ben, starting goalkeeper Ben Foster is out. They're also down two defenders. So whatever Tony and uh, the other guys out for Brentford, you know, it kind of cancels out if Saar is out for Watford. So I have Brentford projected at minus 150. Their expected goal differential is way, way better than Watford's right now. So I think there is some value on them at plus 115. Yeah, and I, I mean, we, we mentioned at the last podcast, Watford's expected goals against numbers under Claudio Ranieri. They're hard to even look at because, yeah, it's 14.1 expected goals allowed over their last seven games. But when you consider the opposition playing consecutively against Chelsea, Liverpool, United, Manchester City, Leicester City, Everton, and Southampton, it's kind of hard to know what this defense actually is going to look like under Ranieri against uh, teams like Brentford, which are the teams that Watford will be competing with in that bottom third of the Premier League. There's a lot to kind of dig into here, and the number's just not good enough for me. Which brings us Saturday morning, Manchester City, minus 600 favorites. Uh, they're hosting Wolverhampton, who are 15-1. The draw is 7-1, 7.30 a.m. kickoff. Wolves, talk about a tough run of uh, opposition. Wolves, they lost to Liverpool last weekend on a very late last guess winner from the Reds. And now they got to play Manchester City on the road. We know that this Wolves team is good. Like, there's no denying that they are a top half caliber team. I think maybe a little higher than that if if they can get some some semblance of form and consistency over the next couple months. But the City team is a wagon right now. Two point six five expected goals allowed total over the last five games, all of which are wins. That's 0.53 on average. Wolves uh, struggled to get anything going against Liverpool, so that's uh, pretty tough to back here. The number is large enough, I think, to be interesting, but I actually think it's either under, maybe a draw play here, because City, we, we talk about all the time, City's defense is fantastic. Wolves has a pretty good defense themselves. It should be a pretty low event game, which is a recipe for the draw, but I, I would think I'm going to go under, maybe a sprinkle on the draw. Anthony, what about you? Yeah, they didn't complete a single pass into the penalty area against Liverpool, uh, pretty concerning, nor did they complete a pass in the penalty area against Liverpool. Uh, that's the second time this year that's happened. We talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago. The Wolves attacking regression has come, and, and they are now have the second fewest goals in the league. They have uh, the fifth worst expected goals for in the league. Uh, the Bruno Lage revolution appears to be um, you know fizzling a little bit here. There's just not a ton I like about this Wolves attack. Now, that being said, we play numbers here, uh, not necessarily teams. And the number seems a little cheap to me. When City hosted Norwich at the beginning of the season, I remember because I bet it and lost, uh, Norwich, both teams to score against Wolves was plus 150. Uh, That's the same number you're getting here. Wolves team total over is plus 140. I think if I play anything here, that's where I'm going to be looking to go. It's just a good buy low spot on a Wolves attack that I do not expect to be in the bottom five come season's end. I understand that City has the best defense in the league. I understand they're dominant. Hopefully, uh, Wolves can find a little bit more, you know, make some changes here and get a, get a chance at a goal here. Uh, and I think at plus 140, I'm, I'm willing to potentially take a look at that. 
Uh, but I want to see if, if, if Bruno is going to switch up the, the lineup a little bit, maybe rotate some players in. Huang Hee Chan has really struggled to get anything going. Adama Chore, whether he's come off the bench or he's started, has not been very effective. Like we've seen, he was early in the season with, you know, at one point, I think four matches of the year, he was number one in shot creating actions. So a little bit of a buy low spot on the Wolves attack, but uh, the Wolves defense has also been a bit lucky as well. And, and so, you know, City could easily pummel them. Liverpool did create over two expected goals in that game, even though they, they didn't quite finish. We saw Jota missed an open net with two defenders blocking it off the line. So there was a lot of weird, fluky stuff that happened in that game. Liverpool wasn't quite as sharp. They had some attacking regression coming. City doesn't really fit that bill necessarily, and I think they could get pummeled here. But I do think at plus 140, Wolves to score a goal may be a little undervalued. Yeah, I think the handicap when you're looking at a total here is because is Wolves going to score, right? And uh, I think you're going the other way, huh? Yeah, I'm going to go under three goals and minus 105. This is kind of a numbers play for me. I only have 2.45 goals projected. The biggest thing is what I was interested to see what, how Wolves would play against Liverpool is how their pressing number is going to be. And only 10% of their presses came in the final third. So really what they did is they just sat back, played it very deep, and pressed Liverpool once they crossed the halfway line. Now, it didn't really work because, Liverpool, like Anthony said, Liverpool created over two expected goals. They had 42 touches in Wolves' penalty area. And that's pretty concerning going to play Manchester City. But... For a team that is used to playing that type of style, that can sit deep and play, you know, basically play that way. And then, you know, it's not a team like, for example, like West Ham or some team or Arsenal, who's used to having the ball and not used to being pinned into their own defensive area for the whole match. Wolves is used to playing like that. So they could slug this match out, drag it out as long as they can, basically how they did against Liverpool. City's been much more direct in their attacks. They're not a you know, slow, possessive type team like they were last year. But when you play a team that's not going to press you up high, that's going to sit back and just press you in the final third, it can make the match a little bit sluggish. It can make it kind of slow, especially if they're going to sit that deep in the box. So I'm going to back under three goals uh, at minus 105. Again, it's a numbers play. And I do think that Wolves can slow this match down enough and City will, you know, not have as much high quality chances as Liverpool did. But, you know, who knows? City could, you know, pace them for nothing. But I can easily see City winning one nothing or two nothing in this one. Arsenal, uh, minus 155 at home against Southampton, plus 425. The draw plus 310. 10 a.m. kickoff on Saturday morning. The Arsenal roller coaster continues its ride. I, I don't really understand how a team that uh, has been so close to the top four would seemingly like two weeks ago, uh, but it obviously was a little longer, but it really just feels like it was just yesterday that everyone was talking that Mikel Arteta, including myself, the revolution had finally started to bear fruit. And then in comes Damari Gray and out goes Arsenal from Goodison Park with zero points on Monday against a Everton team that hadn't won since September. And now look at what's going on. I, I think this number on Southampton is fantastic plus 425 uh money line on a good team a team that much better than i expected and when i say good team i mean relative to expectations obviously this is a team that could finish anywhere from like 8th to 14th i don't think would be surprising but they're seventh in terms of expected goals for and arsenal's defense is not that good at preventing scoring chances so i think there's going to be an opportunity here for southampton to come away with three points it just depends on if they take those chances uh when the saints go marching in I think we're all going to be marching with the Saints. That's that's my inkling here. Anthony, are you going to be marching with me? Yeah, Saints here, definitely undervalued. Uh, it's a good bounce back spot for Arsenal. And that's been like the common theme with them after these bad performances. They, you know, Arteta comes and says, you know, we're going to bounce back. Not buying it here. I don't, I don't really like the matchup. First of all, the ability of Southampton's press to give Arsenal problems in possession. Those are the teams who can effectively press and win the ball of Arsenal. 
they tend to be the top teams in the league. They tend to be the Liverpools, the cities, the Chelsea's, uh, in some cases, Brighton, the teams who can establish that have given Arsenal fits this year. Chelsea played them off the park. Brighton played them off the park. Couldn't find a goal. Liverpool city. We all know what happened in those high profile games, but Southampton can kind of do the similar types of things. One thing Southampton's very vulnerable against big scoring chances, Arsenal 11th in big scoring chances, Aubameyang and Lacazette are both out of form, both in decline based on pretty much every number you look at. I don't really trust the Arsenal attack here to get margin, which is what they'd have to do to cover the plus one. So it's a little juicy, but I like Southampton plus one at minus 125, 130. You can find both out there. I like it up to 140. Southampton's defense has also, when they're not conceding big scoring chances, they're only conceding the eighth fewest shots in the league per 90. So pretty solid defensive numbers. I think they'll be able to keep this game close. I think it's a, a really, a, 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 you know, Arsenal's rightly favored, but I think it's very hard to see how Arsenal gets margin here against Southampton, who has still not finishing their chances well at all. Uh, BJ, you are an Arsenal tragic here on this podcast. Someone who roots for Arsenal with his heart, bets against Arsenal quite often with his wallet. Are you doing it again? Yes, I'm done with Arteta. This, this, I, I just can't take it anymore. I mean, I don't really know what he's trying to do, and especially with our defense, because essentially he's putting so much pressure on Gabriel and Ben White to be incredibly elite, which they've played very well this season. But Granite Shock is back, which is horrible for Arsenal. Party's been out of form. You know, Tierney got a good run out in the last match. But the problem with Arsenal is that they don't press. And so when you have a team that is very reliant on having the ball, very reliant on getting up to Odegaard, to Saka to be able to create chances. And then, you know, obviously, like Anthony said, Obama Young and Lacazette are incredibly out of form. Playing a team like Southampton, that's just going to press, press, press you the whole match and try to win the ball. Once they do win the ball, they're going to put pressure on Gabriel and Ben White and force them to be elite once again. And obviously, that's just not going to work over the long term. So I'm done with Arteta. I don't, I don't really understand. I don't know. He's not the guy to lead us into the future. But I agree with Anthony, everything Anthony said. Arsenal especially offensively, is not going to be able to create those big scoring chances that Southampton is very susceptible to. Arsenal just is overvalued. It's a name It's a name played overvalue here. I only have Arsenal projected at plus 105, so I agree with you guys. We're going to make it 3-3. Three three. I like Southampton plus 1 at minus 130. I mean, think about how bad Everton has been. Sorry, Michael. Uh, and and how they had not won a match in, in what, two months? Uh, they could have had four. I mean, there were two yeah. actual Arsenal, goals, and Arsenal then they were like a toenail and a shoulder blade from having four and just running Arsenal off the pitch. Uh, and so I know that uh, every time Arsenal seems to be on the come up, you, it's a good time to fade them. I'm not playing the bounce back angle here. They completely lost control of that match. I really just don't understand what they were doing in the second half. And it's, you know, they're just not the team that can sit deep and defend like, you know, a Burnley and play two low blocks and, you know, basically defend like, defend like hell for, you know, the final 45 minutes to see a match out. They're just not that style of team. They have to have the ball. They have to have it moving forward. And, you know, Everton, you know, was able to control most of that second half, which was kind of shocking to me. Um, but the most most interesting thing, most interesting thing with Arsenal is that they do come out and like try to press. It seems like early in games and then it either works and they score an early goal and then stop, or it doesn't work and they, they still stop. And then they just completely fall apart because we said this on the podcast, but the first 20 minutes of games, they actually haven't been bad. Even against Everton, I thought they were solid the first 10, 15, 20 minutes. And then Everton just had a period where they were pretty much in the ascendancy, scored the goal, got Vard off. And then against the run of play, Arsenal gets their goal. But really, it's very strange why Arsenal can't seem to keep a game plan for 90 minutes and, and at least try a press. Because, I mean, they have guys who could win the ball. Guys like Xhaka and Partey can win the ball off, off other teams and, and you know cover some ground. 
I actually thought Jaka played decently well in the last match, but it's just so up and down with this team and trying to bet them to get margin against a pretty solid Southampton team uh, is, is not a good look. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is, this is Mikel Arteta at his core because he's a Pep Guardiola disciple and he thinks he can just change his tactics from match to match without any consistency and, you know, basically play like Manchester city. Well, that just doesn't happen. I mean, Arsenal's not good enough to do that. He needs to stick with the same tactics and something that actually works and do that going forward. But he's not. He thinks he's smarter than everybody else. And I really hope that at the end of this year, the Cronkies, if they're actually paying attention to what's going on, really look at him and really look at Den Hog over at Ajax and potentially try to bring him in. Another uh, man who thinks he's smarter than everyone else because he is smarter than everyone else is Marcelo Bielsa. He's leading Leeds. Uh, they're nine to one underdogs at Chelsea, who are minus three thirty on the money line at Stamford Bridge. The draw sitting at five to one. Ten a.m. kickoff on Saturday. Uh, Chelsea. <laughs> Two, two and one in their last five, including uh, in the Premier League. They obviously had the draw with Zenit today. That means they're also traveling back from St. Petersburg. So something to keep in mind here. I think this handicap, similar to the Wolves one, is coming down to do you think Leeds can score? Uh, If you do, you could look to back a Leeds United team that is good going forward against a Chelsea team that we've talked about has had defensive regression coming for them. It's come, it's come at the hands of teams that we didn't think it would come at, including Zenit St. Petersburg, but it is a wobble here for Chelsea. There's, there's no denying it. Like I said, two, two and one win draw loss in the last five. I would look at Leeds here. I don't think I'm going to back them, but maybe a team total over uh, at minus 120 because I do think that they can get on the board against a team that should be jet lagged coming back from mother Russia. Anthony, what about you? You know, a lot of people told me that Edward Mendy was the best goalie in the world. Uh, and, and look, he was damn good in the first six, seven games uh, where he was bailing out what was a pretty mediocre Chelsea defense. Then Chelsea went through a period of, of complete dominance. And it was when Conte was healthy, Jorginho was healthy, Chilwell was playing really well at left back, Reese James really blossomed as a two-way uh, wing back in that system. And look, Chelsea was playing like the best team in the league for a few weeks. But the next wobble has come here for Thomas Tuchel's men. Edward Mendy now for the season has plus 0.1 post-shot expected goals. That was that was last season. Uh, this year, he is now still up there as among the best, but we saw now he's down to plus 2.1. At one point, he was well over three. So the, the, the regression has come. I know he didn't start against Zenit when they conceded three goals, and that factors in here. But Tuchel mentioned this after the game, and it was something they talked about that, that you know, it seems like Mendy's lost his confidence a little bit. And I think that was evident in what happened in the West Ham game last week. The two goals that were conceded, I think Mendy would like to have back. And goalkeepers tend to be very streaky outside of the very few elite goalkeepers. Most of them tend to have up and down periods. And I think if Mendy starts to come down and regress towards what is a league average keeper, I think he's above that. But I don't I don't think he's going to always be above that. Uh, I think it's a good time here to bet against a Chelsea attack or to bet against Chelsea defense, which is starting to show some some issues. Doesn't look like Conte is going to be back for a while. That the difference between him and Saul in the midfield is huge. If you go back and look at the last few matches, they have not had the same kind of midfield control that Thomas Tuchel craves. But that being said, the Leeds defense—they're among the worst in the league in big scoring chances allowed in non-penalty xG. They haven't even played Chelsea and City yet, so think about that. In the sense that when they played United, when they played. Liverpool, they got absolutely pasted. And that's been a common problem for BLC teams going back to last year when they were in the Prem, playing, you know, when they played Tottenham, who couldn't score on anybody, they got absolutely pasted. Liverpool, four goals against them. Uh, so they really struggled against the top, top teams. Chelsea put four past them last year. Uh, and so I don't really trust this Leeds defense to, to take a spread 
in this spot, in this spot on the road, but I will take both teams to score at even money because I think this Chelsea defense continues to get more respect than it deserves, especially without N'Golo Kante. One team that we have said repeatedly on the show is always overvalued. Liverpool minus 450. They're taking on and hosting Aston Villa. Steven Gerrard making his return to Anfield, this time as the coach of Aston Villa. They're 11-1 on the money line. The draw is 6-1. to one. And when we say that Liverpool is overvalued, we say it as in, <laughs> yeah, the number is too high, but they still will win all the time. So it's like, a, you know, insanity kind of the definition of insanity kind of thing, betting against them. I'm going to try my best to not bet Aston Villa and the Steven Gerrard improvement here, but it's going to take a lot of lot of uh, moxie to do that. 11-1 seems interesting to me. However, I do like to under here. I, I trust Aston Villa's defense. It's a small sample, but they do look genuinely improved under Gerrard. Uh, Liverpool, we've started to see them slow down a little bit offensively, or we did against Wolves. Finally, didn't score two or more goals. The over-under is three and a half, and I think it's very hard to score four goals in soccer. So I'll take the shot. That's a Bundesliga over-under. I'm going to take the under here, minus 115, and maybe a little sprinkle on Aston Villa. Anthony, where are you going in this one? Yeah, I, I lean that way as well in terms of the under. The difference between the Villa before and then, before and now, has been the personnel changes. I mean, playing Joey Ramsey, who, who does a lot of defensive work for a forward instead of Danny Ings, who seems like he's out of favor, which I think is a net positive for this team, given that Watkins is ascending and that playing Watkins and Ings together with Watkins on the wing wasn't offering enough going forward. They weren't great connecting and Watkins isn't doing a lot of defensive work to track back. So you're losing that quite a bit there. Uh, no Leon Bailey for this game. It looks like he's going to miss with an injury. And they also put marvelous Nakamba in the midfield, playing a three in the midfield, as opposed to the two that Dean Smith was running with most of the time. He does a lot of ball winning. He's pretty good defensively. And he's really added a lot to this defense and their fullbacks uh, target maybe back here. He's a solid defensive fullback. Very important. The fullbacks, when you're trying to defend Liverpool with Alexander Arnold, Simikas, Robertson, whichever they choose to play those two getting forward and, and Salah and Salah and Mane are unbelievable on the wing. So Having wingers who will track back and fullbacks are really important. So I lean towards the under here, three and a half. It's a funny conundrum with Liverpool and one that I'll probably never be able to, to beat. And BJ, you're, you're off and on with me on the side. Like you model games, Anthony models games. I spend a lot of time doing prep work for this and handicapping these games. And every week I just say, oh my God, the Liverpool number is too high. And I think that's the case again this week. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, I have Liverpool at minus 368. So if this number continues to climb and climb up, it's going to be hard for me at some point not to play a number. But at the same time, you know, Liverpool, it's, you know, we cashed obviously last week with with Wolves, got up, you know, the plus one and a half, got to minus 135, which made it bettable. But I think, you know, the Steven Gerrard revolution has actually been really good, you know, for Aston Villa. Anthony, you know, I agree with Anthony, everything Anthony said. You know, if we want to run through their expected goals numbers, only allowed 0.4 against Brighton, 0.9 against Crystal Palace, 0.9 against Manchester City, and 1.2 against Leicester. That's a massive, massive improvement from where they were at. So going up against Manchester City and only allowing them to create, you know, around one expected goal, that's that's really impressive. And especially going up against Liverpool, who has a similar type of attacking style and similar talent level of attacking players. It's not crazy that Gerard's defense can hold them to, you know, one, one and a half expected goals and, you know, hope that Liverpool doesn't overperform. So I agree. I'm kind of trying to leaning, leaning towards Aston Villa. If I can get a plus two at, at a decent number, I do think that that is worth a play. But other than that, I'm staying away and I'm watching to see how much this Liverpool line will climb. Now we'll head to East Anglia. 
Norwich City, the Canaries, they're hosting Manchester United. Norwich, 6-1, to one, home underdogs, Manchester United, minus 220. The draw is plus 380. This is the 12.30 p.m. kickoff on Saturday afternoon. Uh, like I was saying with two earlier matches, I think this handicap, a lot of it comes down to if you think Norwich can score against the Manchester United defense, which has struggled for uh, most of the year, but Ralph Ragnick's in town now. You'd expect that they will be much more rigid defensively, especially under new manager. He'll try to set them up more defensively. And, and against a game like Norwich, though, you can take more chances. Uh, let's be honest. You can you can be a little bit more uh, risky with the way you play against a team that, A, won't punish you for making a mistake, too many mistakes in the back, and B, also will make their own mistakes so you can score. I'm looking over or nothing here, but I just don't know if I trust Norwich enough to score as <laughs> Uh, we've seen quite a bit this season, even when the numbers look good, the situation looks good for them. Uh, they're just so hard to trust. Uh, maybe I should have just cashed that five to one in Daniel Farkas uh, goodbye match. And then the 280 or so in Dean Smith's debut and been like, that should be good enough for betting Norwich City for the season. But I didn't do that. And now that's why I'm staring at this number and staying away from it. It's over nothing for me. Uh, Anthony, what do you have? Yeah, United's uh, ball progression numbers have gotten better in the last two weeks since the firing of Ole. Uh, the main reason for that, probably playing Jaden Sancho, who's quite good uh, and quite good at putting the ball into good places where Ronaldo can score and where Rashford can score. Uh, I show value here on both Norwich plus one and on the both teams to score. I I just don't know if I want to play them because I, I talked about this in the last show and Thank you, Ralph Ragnick, for putting all the kids in. I mean, dudes who I have never heard of from the United Academy were coming into the game today, and I had the under, and I was like, please do not score again. It was 1-1. They did not even come close to scoring because they were bringing on the kids. Uh, They even subbed out the goalie in the 65th minute to bring on Tom Heaton. Congrats to Tom Heaton on making his debut in the Prem, or in his United debut, I should say. But I think I'm going to ultimately end up passing here. We're going to look at the number. If it gets a little higher, I'm going to end up taking Norwich begrudgingly. Uh, but I just think Ragnick's improving the defense, and that's why the market's starting to catch up on the, up to that. And that's why I show value, even if maybe my numbers aren't quite picking up the improvement defensively from United. Flipping the page to Sunday, we'll start on the South Coast with Brighton. They're plus 105 at home against Spurs, plus 285. And the draw's plus 240. This is a really tough one to just even talk about just because Spurs has been going through a little bit of a COVID outbreak. We don't know if this game is going to happen. Uh, so let's just quickly, you know, rifle through the situations here. BJ, what are your projections showing and what are you kind of assuming going into this one for Sunday morning? Yeah, so before the whole COVID outbreak at Tottenham, I had Brighton projected at plus 115 because obviously their underlying metrics have been good this year and last year. Tottenham's have been pretty horrendous before Antonio Conte got to town. Well, now we have, I believe we're up to eight people or maybe eight players who have tested positive for COVID. The only information before recording this, you know, after it might come out, but the only two players I saw were Emerson and Brian Gill. So if it's only those two people uh, by Saturday and, you know, there's no star players and they actually do end up playing this match. Well, the, you know, then it's like, all right, well, maybe I'll stay away from Brighton. You know, if, if Harry Kane, Son, all those guys are playing, it's essentially a pass. Now, what's going to be interesting to see is if Spurs plays their Europa Conference League match against Rennes on Thursday, I'll be interested to see what their travel squad looks like. We don't know if they're, if they're even going to play it, but looking at their travel squad, they have if they actually want to go for it, they actually have to win to get to the knockout stage. So I would expect them to send a full squad of players who are actually you know healthy, haven't tested positive. The play right now, I believe, is to bet Brighton plus 105 after seeing that you know, travel squad on Thursday. And if some significant guys are out, bet Brighton plus 105 
And if the match is being played and, you know, we get to that time and a bunch of guys are out due to COVID, well, you have significant value on Brighton if they actually play the match. So who knows at this point who's going to be out, who's going to be in, if they're even going to play this match. But I showed value on Brighton even before this came all the way down. So I like the Seagulls, but then again, who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much an impossible handicap. You don't know who is available for Tottenham. I'm fascinated by this saga. I don't think many people are following it closely. So Europa Conference League, Ren is supposed to come to London on Thursday. As of right now, Tottenham has said, we're not playing. Match called off. It was announced this afternoon, about 3, 3.30 local time on the East Coast of the U.S. So 8.30 in London. Ren releases a statement saying, hold on, we think the game's on. So we have no idea as of recording Wednesday morning. And by the time this comes out Thursday, we probably will know if the game is on or off. Spurs do not want to play it. They have a huge outbreak. They want to shut down Hotspur Way. They've actually kind of been pushing to cancel this game altogether. Uh, I'm not betting it at the moment. I'm not even going to start handicapping it because I don't want to say, you know, here's why I like Spurs, the current number, if the current number seems to be baking in that a couple key players are out. Uh, and so at the current number, if everybody's available, I like Tottenham big time. That's a little, they're clearly undervalued, but the market seems to be suggesting that somebody or at least a few people pretty significant are not playing. I'm staying away altogether. Less dramatic is Burnley plus 270 hosting West Ham, even money favorites on the road. At Turf Moor, uh, the draws plus 265, 9 a.m. kickoff on Sunday as well. West Ham, God love them, cash for us again, uh, this time against Chelsea over the weekend. It was it was a deserved win. I think, you know, obviously one of the goals was, was quite lucky, but they still won on XG. They exploited that struggling Chelsea defense. And West Ham, uh, just one of the things that's so great about this team, I think that David Moyes has done such a good job with, is that they, they don't really get phased by any game state, right? Like they go down against Chelsea, they come back, they go down against Chelsea again, and they come back. They just play the same way, it seems. Like David Moyes has, has these players, they're, they're playing a system and they don't really stop doing it. That being said, this game is a little tricky. I don't think I'll have a play on it. I, I'm much closer to Burnley at home. Uh, in this one than I am on West Ham in a, in a sell high spot. But for right now, for me, it's a, it's a stay away West Ham and Burnley West Ham's biggest strength, I think is, is creating big scoring chances. Burnley's pretty decent at preventing them. Uh, so it could be a, a matchup issue here. I'm tempted by Burnley. I'm staying away. BJ, do you have anything here? Yeah. I love over two and a half goals and minus 120. Burnley's four, four, two. It's been really bad this season. 1.52 expected goals per 90 minutes when playing out of it. So it's not surprising that they're dead last and shots allowed per 90 and box entries allowed. So playing, going up against West Ham, who's top five in both of those metrics, that's a big problem. And the biggest thing with a four, four, two is essentially the philosophy behind it. What Sean Dyche is trying to do is clog up the middle of the pitch, stay organized in your back two lines, force the opponents to go out wide and beat you with crosses because they have, you know, fantastic defenders like Darkoski and Ben Mee who are very good in the air and winning the ball well. Burnley's allowing a lot more crosses into the box this season. They're 14th uh, in that metric this season, while West Ham has completed the second most crosses into the penalty area. So it's a pretty bad matchup for Burnley, who's looked pretty shaky uh, defensively. Now, offensively, they haven't been that great, but West Ham is really, really thin uh, on their back line. Obviously, Ogbana is already out for the season. Kurt Zuma picked up a hamstring injury. He's going to be out for this one. Ben Johnson is out at right back. Aaron Cresswell is questionable. So when you don't have those guys and you're going up against a Burnley team that basically creates all their stuff off of corners and you don't have your two big guys in the center to defend them, that puts a lot more pressure on guys like Soyshek and Rice uh, and Craig Dawson to try to you know win the ball in the air with those guys. So I have 2.83 goals projected for this one. And with West Ham obviously being thin in the back line, I think there is some value on the over two and a half goals. Yeah, it's it's the type of game that we could be sitting there watching on Sunday and being like, you see, watch like Gold Rush or something, be like, 
how the hell is West Ham Burnley 2-2 in the first half? Uh, that game is off the rails. Uh, that, that's part of the reason I think Burnley is, is interesting to me. It, it does seem like a game that, that has some chaos written on it. Uh, Anthony, you were also leaning towards the Clarets and Sean Dyche, right? Yeah, it's actually my second time betting against West Ham all year. They've been, uh, I think, the official team of the podcast this year in terms of catching tickets for us. It feels like it, at least. Uh, but this is a similar spot. They beat Liverpool at home, 3-2. Maybe got a little fortunate. Uh, you always do when you you know, you know beat Liverpool. But then they they went on the road. The next match came out flat and attack. Lost 1-0 at Wolves. I think it's a similar spot here. You beat Chelsea. Huge win. You know, the most important win of the year they'll have probably the whole season, unless they get top four, will be that home win against Chelsea, a London rival. Uh, those two teams often in contention. Uh, a lot of a lot of bad blood between the fan bases. Now they have to go on the road to Burnley. And like BJ mentioned, they're down their two starting center backs and potentially their left back. Nightmare situation. Because I think the only way they can go even deeper into the bench, but what they did last year at one point was they put Declan Rice at center back and they lost a lot of midfield control from that. Uh, they don't really have the squad depth that the other top six sides do. And I think that was really the ultimate question. You know, if they could stay healthy, and you know keep playing as well they're a legitimate top four team but what happens when the first injuries start to hit and they've come at the worst time for West Ham with all these fixtures coming up Ogbonna and Zuma now very questionable situation I like Burnley to get a point here at home another Sunday morning kickoff another 9 a.m Sunday morning kickoff Leicester City minus 145 at home hosting Newcastle plus 390 the draws plus 310 I, I make no qualms about it that I like to bet against this Newcastle team but Leicester also having a little bit of a COVID issue. So for right now, uh, it's a pass for me. BJ, do you want to touch real quick on, on this one? Yeah, so it was announced this afternoon that Leicester has seven players that have tested positive uh, for COVID and won't be traveling to Napoli for their Europa League match on Thursday. We have no idea who those seven players are. Yuri Tillemans is still out with an injury. So who knows? I'm going to watch their travel squad and see if it's anybody important. It's very hard to get behind this Newcastle team right now. You know, with Eddie Howe, they did play well against Burnley uh, in the last match, you know, created one big chance, which ended up being the difference. But it's one of those situations where the market hasn't really moved that much uh, on Leicester after getting announced. I believe they opened around minus 160 and they're only down to minus 145. So what that tells me is that maybe it's not anybody significant right now. I have Leicester projected at minus 139. So if we can figure out who's actually going to be in the squad for this match, then, you know, potentially a play on Leicester or maybe a team total over if they have all their attacking players there, given how bad the Newcastle defense has been. But other than that, it's a pass for me. And the Premier League slate wraps up with Crystal Palace's plus 130 home favorites against the hottest team in all the land. That's Everton plus 225 coming off a riveting win. They are now on a one game winning streak, taking it to South London. Everton's plus 225 on the money line. The draws plus 235, 11.30 a.m. kickoff at Selhurst Park. Palace, another beloved team on this podcast for me, at least uh, three losses in a row. Although they've won on expected goals in two of them. And they did win on expected goals in a draw against Burnley right before that three-game losing streak. I think it's, to me, it it looks like a Palace spot here. Uh, I want to wait, though. Rafael Benitez has been reluctant to play three in the midfield for Everton this season. And then what did he do? They go down to Arsenal. He brings Andre Gomez in to play three in the midfield. And Everton looked so much better going forward. It it allowed Richarlison and Damari Gray to do what they do best on the wings. Uh, So I'm going to see if... I can get a better number on Palace as this game approaches, as people bet into the Everton ascendancy here. But uh, if Rafa does have three in the midfield, I would be a little bit nervous, especially because, you know, I love Connor Gallagher and all the work he does in the center of the park for Palace. Anthony, do you have anything on this one? 
Yeah, you know, Everton and Palace, two teams that have been conceding way more goals than they should be given the chances they've allowed. Want to play an under in those situations usually, but at two and a quarter, there's not a ton in this uh, in terms of not a lot of wiggle room to play with. And I don't really like the number here, not enough value for me. Uh, so I'm passing overall. That's the other thing too. It, it does, this game does have some of the recipes, uh, ingredients that I like for a draw too, especially because Everton don't have uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin and are going to be relying heavily on Gray and Richarlison to finish chances. So we could see a pretty uh, low event one here. With that, we will now move on to Germany and the Bundesliga. Let's talk about our favorite bets there. BJ, we'll start with you. What is your favorite bet this week in Deutschland? Oakham versus Dortmund over three goals at minus 120. Erling Holland is back, which means Dortmund overs are back. With Holland in the lineup, Dortmund is averaging around 2.1 expected goals per match without him, only 1.7. So they should be able to create a lot of chances on this Bochum defense, which has been one of the worst in the Bundesliga. They're allowing around two expected goals per match. And when they have to face some of the elite sides in Germany, it gets pretty ugly. They allowed 4.6 expected goals to Bayern, 2.5 to RB Leipzig, 2 to Freiburg, and 1.8 to Gladbach. I mean, they just allowed 2.9 expected goals to Augsburg, who is one of the worst offenses in the entire league. So I don't think Dortmund and Holland are going to have any trouble creating chances. On the flip side, Bochum hasn't been that bad offensively, especially for a newly promoted team, especially in their last six matches. They've created 8.7 expected goals. And in those six matches, they fit. Three of them were against Frankfurt, Hoffenheim, and Gladbach. So going against the Dortmund defense, it's going to be without one of its best defenders, Akanji, and has allowed the fifth most big scoring chances this season. There's a good chance Bochum can get on the board. I have 3.67 goals projected for this match. So I like over three goals at minus 120. Anthony, a uh, familiar song out of you for this one, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not Greuther Furt, 13 goals conceded in two matches. It is not Gladbach, 10 goals conceded in two halves against Köln and Freiburg. Uh, it is going back to the tried and true Leverkusen fade. Uh, Eintracht Frankfurt plus a half at minus 125. Uh, Leverkusen was uh, on the beatdown end of that Greuther Firth lost loss on Saturday. They scored seven goals, which look at its face is incredibly impressive. You know, they're, you know, one of the best attacks in the Bundesliga, right? Well, no, uh, they only had 2.8 expected goals, which is still a good output, but at home against the worst team in the league, you'd expect about two and a half. Uh, and so they still conceded a goal in that game. They played a little bit better the last few matches in attack. I will give them that. But so is Frankfurt. Frankfurt starting to look a little bit better. Uh, and at home here, I think it's a really good spot to get Frankfurt, uh, who has not been as bad as their numbers against Leverkusen, a team who's been much better than their numbers suggest they should be at this point in the season. And so I have uh, Frankfurt at minus 160 to get a point. So I like them to uh, to get one here at minus 120, 125. We did have a, a listener reach out from Germany to tell us that we have been pronouncing Gruther Firth wrong. It's Gruther Firth, like Kurt with a K, and Gruther Firth. Yeah, Gruther Firth. We do appreciate, I will say, that we're three Americans. One of us is from Iowa. One of us from is just trash from Philadelphia. And the other one is middle Long Island trash. And so we will mispronounce names all the time. And we haven't really been hearing too much. And, and when we do, it's, it's always nice. And this was a nice one, a nice DM to receive. And on that note, my favorite Bundesliga bet is Mines plus one and a half against Bayern Munich. More pain, please. Just give me the Bayern Munich pain. I actually am going to sprinkle the money line at 12 to one. It's just this Mines defense. I, I should have just bet them last week on this pod. I talked about the Wolfsburg Mines draw because it just ticked every box that I like in betting the draw, even though it was taking place in Bundesliga. I should have just backed Mines. I didn't. I'm going to 
learn from that and back them here to keep it close against Bayern Munich. This is a, just an elite defense in the Bundesliga. And if they can get a couple stops and just slow Bayern down, maybe they can nick a win here on Saturday at 9.30 a.m. So backing the plus one and a half and a sprinkle on the 12 to one. And now we will move to Italy. BJ, what do you have for us in Syria A this week? Yeah, I love Sassuolo. Draw no bet, plus 105 at home against Lazio. Another fade of Lazio, which is an incredibly overrated team. Sorry, this team has a minus two expected goal differential, but they're somehow in seventh place. They've scored 32 goals off of 21.6 expected goals. So some negative regression is coming in a big way, especially against a Sassuolo defense that, you know, hasn't been that great, but has done a great job at limiting high-quality chances. They're fifth in Serie A and big scoring chances allowed, and that's basically how Lazio is scoring all of their chances. It's basically Serie Mobile scoring, you know, all their chances inside the six-yard box because Lazio is 16th in shots per 90, 12th in box entries, and dead last in crosses completed into the 18-yard box. Sassuolo has been pretty good offensively this season. They're creating one. expected goals per match and has the fourth most big scoring chances in Syria. Ah, Lazio has been okay defensively. They're 10th in non-penalty expected goals allowed, but they're one of the worst pressing teams in Italy. So it's going to be very hard for them to win the ball against the Swallow as who's a top six team versus pressure. But Lazio's road form in Syria has been horrendous. They have a only created 7.1 expected goals in eight matches and have a minus 5.3 expected goal differential. I have Sassuolo projected as a slight favorite in this one. I really don't understand why Lazio is getting the credit they, that they really don't deserve. So I love Sassuolo draw no bet at plus 105. Anthony, uh, your favorite bet in Syria? Yeah, Udinese plus a half against Milan at home. Uh, Udinese, man. Two weeks ago, we had that midweek podcast. We had them plus 450. They were up 2-0 against Lazio, blew it. They were up 3-1 against Lazio, blew it. They had 3-3. Lazio was down to 10 men, couldn't do it, uh, gave up a goal, and then found a late equalizer, got the plus one in, but could not catch the money line. Really should have been. Uh, Udinese is a consistent underperformer for the better part of a year and a half now. So this dates back to last season. My guy Isaac Success did have an assist at the weekend. They went up 1-0 against Empoli. They blew it, lost 3-1. Udinese, overall, though, offensively, fifth best in non-penalty expected goals going forward. Uh, Defensively, only 12th. So they're a little bit below average defensively, but an above average attack. They're basically an average Serie A team. This is more of a play against Milan, who against the Liverpool backups at home in the midweek and Divac Origi, uh, they could not keep Liverpool out twice, scored twice, dealing with a ton of injury issues. Very overrated. I know they're sitting atop Syria. I do not believe they will stay there whatsoever. They have attacking regression coming big time. And I don't think their defense is quite as good as, as maybe the numbers suggest they are either. So I think Udinese gets at least a point here. And I know I'm going to be playing the money line. I think somebody else will too once we get to that segment. And now we head to Spain. La Liga, Anthony and I are both on the same game here. Different bets, a little bit of a disagreement. I like the draw in Bilbao and Sevilla. It's plus 220. Both of these teams have allowed 11 goals on the season. That's 22 total in 31 games played combined. And the both teams to score is under 45% for both teams. Uh, when you look at all their matches, we know that both of these are really, really good defenses. I know that Bill Bow especially deserves some offensive positive regression, but I just don't think it's going to come against a team like Sevilla, who uh, let us down in the Champions League today. Bill Bow draws are just one of the most beautiful bets in all of sports, honestly. Uh, so Join me on the team from the Basque country against Sevilla, but Anthony is going to try to take you somewhere else. Yeah, you know, when, it, when, when teams like Sevilla and Athletic Club Bilbao play, you tend to get 
a situation where the total is pretty low. Two and a quarter is tends to be the number. Uh, here we've got two with the over pretty much minus 110. It's very hard for me to pass up on that. Given that these attacks are two of the six best in the league, and I understand their, their defenses are both uh, quite good, but in terms of expected goals, Sevilla fourth, Athletic Bilbao sixth. I mean, they're pretty solid attacks. And so, you know, whether you play the both teams to score at plus 130, hopefully it ends 1-1 in that case. I just think at some point there's going to be some goals in these games, given how both teams have attacking regression coming. Sevilla has some defensive regression coming. So I'm going to play the over here at two goals, probably going to split a unit, going to go half a unit on over two goals, half a unit, both teams to score. If it ends 1-1, still get some profit there, uh, which I think is very possible in this game. But I also just think it's generally going to be a little more open uh, and a little bit more, uh, you know, chances than than you'd expect these two teams when they play. And now on to uh, League One. I've got nothing in this one, but I know you two do. But BJ, this is your favorite league in all the world, so we'll let you start. I love Lil. Uh, draw no bet, minus 125 against Leon. These two teams are sitting right next to each other on the table, but Lil is far and away better than Leon right now. And Lil... They've been on fire the last eight matches. They've been unbeaten. Their last loss came in that 2-1, you know, heartbreaking loss to PSG back in late October. They've really put the clamps down defensively in their last eight matches. They've only allowed over one expected goal once, and they've played Sevilla, Monaco, Rennes, and Wolfsburg in that time frame. They're number one in league on 17.5 expected goals allowed in 17 matches and the number one team in big scoring chances allowed. Leon has been very good offensively. They, you know, they've pretty much replaced uh, Memphis Depay with a whole host of a couple other guys. They're averaging 1.78 expected goals per match and have a ton of talent up front. The biggest thing though, is they are horrendous defensively. They are allowing 1.74 expected goals per match. They're bottom five in shots per 90 big scoring chance allowed and box entries allowed. In fact, this past weekend, they gave up five big scoring chances to Bordeaux, who's a very, very average league on team. They're also going to be without their best defender, Jason Denier, until February. So this defense is going to get any better anytime soon. So I have Lil projected at minus 116. So I love their John O'Bet line at minus 125. Sounds like BJ does not think Denier will be there to deny some Lille goals. Mm. Uh, but I'm going back to my favorite team in Ligue 1. Maybe not my favorite team, but uh, Paris Saint-Germain and Monaco, the game of the weekend in France, even though technically not happening in France. Uh, Monaco will be hosting the about-to-be French champions, and they have the best defense in Ligue 1. So I'm playing an under 3.25. I think PSG sets up to have a lot of possession here. I think Monaco's attack, 17th in shots, 9th in chances created. Not particularly good a team that's going to expose PSG's weaknesses on the counter, given that they're pretty bad in terms of crossing overall, not creating a lot of big chances. Whereas their defense is number one in every category you look at from shots allowed to XG allowed pass per defensive action. They pressed effectively. Uh, they've allowed the fewest box entries in the league. So I don't think PSG is going to have easy entry into the Monaco penalty area. I think it sets up to be a two, one, one, one type game. So with that extra quarter goal, three and a quarter, uh, I'm going to take the under here, Monaco and PSG. And now we will move on to our favorite part of the program, our favorite underdogs across all of Europe this weekend. I always say to tread lightly when betting these, they are underdogs for a reason. Although I will note that BJ, uh, who was an accountant in his past life, went back and audited the show to see how we do here. In this portion of the program, we're 8-15-1. and one. That's eight wins, 15 losses, one push. But we have returned 7.85 units. So it's been good. We've only been shut out once and we've had some pretty bad luck, uh, some painful beats. So 
hey, you know, it's it's been paying off. And I'm going to start with an underdog that I really, really like this week. They're over four to one. They're plus 425 right now. That's Southampton. We've talked about it. Their attack, they create chances. They just can't finish them. Arsenal's defense is there for the taking. I think that, as Anthony noted earlier, a lot of people will just back Arsenal thinking bounce back spot for this club that we've seen them do it this season a couple of times. I'm going to go the other way. Southampton, the number is just way too good to pass on a decent team against another team that's not much better than them right now. So plus 425 on Ralph Hudel Saints. BJ, where are you going? Yeah, the last two weeks, we've, uh, at least me and Anthony, have experienced two of the most horrific losses that I've seen so far this season. We had, obviously, you mentioned Udinese had, was up two goals two different times against Lazio and got a red card. Uh, Lazio got a red card near the end, and Udinese needed a late goal to draw them 4-4. And then last week, Benicio was up 3-0 at the half against Verona and completely imploded. So... I love Gruther for, no, I'm just kidding. I love Udinese this weekend. I'm going to go back to him. I'm ready for another horrific loss. <laughs> Plus 320. Anthony already mentioned it. Uh, so I agree with pretty much everything he said. The one thing I will note, AC Milan, including all of their injuries, only a plus 1.6 non-penalty expected goal differential on the road versus an 8.4 uh, at home. So much worse on the road than they are at home. Last season when these two played, Udinese played Milan pretty well. They lost 2-1 at home and drew them 1-1 on the road, but the expected goals combined uh, was Milan only was up 2.4 to 1.7. This is a good Udinese team that is due for a lot of positive regression. I think it's a good spot for them to pick off Milan and get at least a point, or not to get at least a point, to win it outright and get us all three points. Udinese plus 320. And Anthony, uh, your favorite underdog this week? Yeah, BJ was mentally hedging there because he knows Udinese is going to be up a goal late and concede in stoppage time. I'm going with Eintracht Frankfurt. I already mentioned why I like them plus a half. Naturally, I find their money line to be quite undervalued as well. Going against Leverkusen, who's been much better at home this year and they've been on the road. Their expected goals numbers on the road, dead even, pretty much. Uh, So not quite buying into this Leverkusen improvement that we've seen in their attack the last few weeks. Leverkusen started last season hot, faded. They're going to start this season hot again. Probably end up in top four because nobody seems to want to be in the Bundesliga top four. But Frankfurt is improving marginally and slowly. And so I think eventually we're going to start to see that. And you're starting to get there where the attack is ticking up a little bit and they're not conceding quite as many dumb goals they were early in the season. So Eintracht Frankfurt, a plus 240. And you, you didn't even mention BJ, but last week, Michael and I both won with Everton and Atalanta so that we would have hit the parlay and I put pennies on it every week and we were this close. Uh, so we're going to get one at some point this season. I hope we, we better. Uh, if you put these three teams together, that's Southampton, Udinese and Frankfurt into a parlay. It's 74 to one. Anthony said it betting pennies. And if you throw Gruther Furt in there at four to one, you're talking 374 to one. Uh, if, so- I, if I bet a Gruther Furt money liner spread for the next month, unfollow me in the app. <laughs> don't no, I'm going to and don't unfollow me because I, I I love this team. I'm sorry. Yeah. I know I know I know they're gonna break my heart. I might bet a team total, but I am not betting a yeah. spread or anything involving their defense for at least a couple weeks. I, I need know, a couple weeks. Off. I know that in uh European soccer, it's the sports betting landscape. Uh they're trying to get the sponsorships out of the game, but Gruther Firth, if you're out there listening and you want to sponsor this part of the program, uh it's basically you. all about you. All right, let's wrap this show up with our favorite bets from the Premier League this weekend. I'm going to go first. It's the pain train, a Liverpool under Liverpool, Aston Villa under three and a half, minus 115. 
this Aston Villa team has been much better defensively under Steven Gerrard, the Liverpool legend coming to Anfield to manage against his former team. So it could be a little bit of a motivational thing here. That's why I don't really hate a little sprinkle on the Villa money line, but the under to me, we talk about it all the time with Liverpool, like they're across the board, everything's inflated with them. That includes their offensive numbers. So I'm thinking an under three and a half, it's very hard to score for in a game and you're getting decent odds, minus 115 on it to go against. And I trust this Villa defense to get that job done against the Liverpool team, by the way, that didn't rest its attackers in a meaningless game in the Champions League over the midweek. So this team will be playing a lot of soccer. They've been playing a lot of meaningful matches. I'm taking an under and hoping that Aston Villa can hang on here under three and a half minus 115. BJ, what about you? Southampton plus one, minus 130 at Arsenal. I I really don't understand this price on Arsenal. They look completely lost after going up a goal against Everton on Monday night. They're going to be facing a Southampton that's going to press, press, press them a ton. And Arsenal's a team that, to be effective, they have to have the ball. They're not very good at sitting back and playing defensively because they hardly ever press. So going against the Southampton offense, that is top seven in a lot of metrics that we look at. And defensively, the only thing they really struggle with was giving up big scoring chances. Arsenal only 11th in big scoring chances created this season. Lacazette, Aubameyang, our form is way down. I think this is a great spot for Southampton, who has played a lot better than we thought this season. So give me them plus one at minus 130. And Anthony, bring this show home. Yeah, this price seems a little short to me. Chelsea and leads both teams to score. Yes, minus 100, 110, uh, like it up to 120. Chelsea's attack, Romelu Lukaku's back, Timo Werner, two goals and an assist against Zenit. Seems like the attack is okay, but the midfield engine room that has powered this team and allowed them to completely dominate and really been the main reason that this defense has been so impenetrable for the last year since Tuchel took over, not quite looking the same recently. Edward Mendy seems to be having a bit of a dip in his form in terms of shot stopping. Ben Chilwell is out. N'Golo Kante is out. And we've seen that the goals are starting to rack up against the Blues. The regression that we've talked about so much on this podcast starting to show itself I think Leeds will get on the board here, but do not trust them in terms of a spread here because their attack is their defense is already 16th in non-penalty expected goals allowed. And that's without playing Chelsea or Manchester City the first time around the schedule. So I think they might be even worse than that. So don't trust them in terms of spread or margin or total, but do think both teams will score here. So I'd like both teams to score. And that should wrap it up. Another episode of Wonder Goal in the books. We will see you all again on Monday morning for another midweek preview as we start trudging towards the festive fixtures in a really busy part of the soccer schedule. So for Anthony and for BJ, I'm Michael, and we will see you then.